Welcome to the channel of Anna Purdue. Look for the link below the podcast and make sure to upload the podcast so you can multitask while hearing the message. And you can also look for the link and um, once you open it up, you can scroll over and select your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, or Google, and just look for the channel Anna Purdue. A huge shout out to Neil and Lisa H., Nancy S., Angela E, Jolie R, Leonard L, and Jody F for your donations to the channel. And I want to apologize for my recent absence. I have been suffering with severe vertigo and found myself in the hospital over the weekend only to learn my insurance has eliminated the hospital from their list a month ago. So if you are able and are interested in helping this channel, or with a hospital bill, you can do so by clicking the donation link found on my website at annapurdue.com. Have you ever wondered how nobility received their titles? Well, today I'm going to share a breakdown of how such titles came to be, beginning with the Boyer ruling class. The term Boyer describes the land-holding gentry of Eastern Europe who were considered nobility by birthright, for example, the princes' caste and were the ruling class caste of kingdoms and most countries and principalities. By custom, the boyars normally elected their own monarchs from their own tribe. In Russia, this was done through the boyar duma from their family with selections from specific ruling boyar families or boyar houses as chieftains for their clan tribe. Boyers ruled their own tracts of land with relative autonomy, but they were expected to show loyalty to their elected kin rulers and set aside common disputes and power struggles in defense of the kingdom to keep peace. The Boyers was also known to be non-Christian and followed the very ancient earth-dweller beliefs and were followers of pantheons believing in the Odinic, Greek, and Roman pantheon earth-dweller religions. Some boyars were even Buddhist and Hinduist, and they were later forced to become either Christian Orthodox or Catholic. Historically, these members of the royal nobility took up the highest ranks within military and civil posts and also formed a supreme council. The Boyar Duma from the early 10th to 12th centuries of Kievan Rus until the time of Peter the Great in the 17th century when he did away with the Boyar rank in Russia and announced himself emperor of all Russia. Emperor is the same status, ranking as Caesar. A specific detail one can spot in any Boyar is his bushy beard. Traditionally, the male population of Russia, and especially Boyars, the keepers of all traditions as they were, were obliged to wear beards according to religious order and also show social status rank. The punishment for shaving was barely less serious than the penalty for murder of a free man. A makeover of the Russian people began after Peter the Great came back to Moscow after his grand embassy to Europe. The day after his return, he ordered scissors and himself cut several noblemen's beards in public. The boyars were shocked and humiliated, fiercely condemning Peter's new practice. 
There were even those who committed suicide after losing their beards. All across Russia, people believed shaving to be a sin, and priests denied their blessings to those without beards. The boyars saw Peter's actions as an attempt to disrupt the very pillars of Russian noble, noble life. As a result, the Tsar imposed black back-breaking taxes on those who insisted on wearing facial hair to encourage Russians to adopt the Western European custom. Special metal tokens were used as proof of payment of the beer tax. Stubborn boyars had to pay the top facial hair tariff until it was abolished later in the 18th century. It is also known that their high hats expect, except the beard was a showing of their status. The higher the hat they had and the longer the beard they had, the higher social status they also had in noble rank in society. It is like the story of Samson and his long hair that was cut in his sleep. The power of the air that it, the hair that's pretty odd. The Council of Boyers and Higher Clergy was, from the 10th century, one of the three agencies, along with the Prince and the Assembly of the Central Government of Kievan Rus. Together with the Prince, the Council discussed and decided important matters of internal and foreign policy, religion, and legislation. Sometimes it even ruled on the division of princely domains and sat as a court in judgment on princes and members of their families. The Boyer Council was a permanent political judicial body, which was based on the prince's obligation to confer with the Boyers of his domain. As Boyer land ownership increased and as the principalities became more numerous, smaller and weaker, the power of the Boyer Council increased. Its power was determined to a great extent by local conditions, the traditions of the local principality, and its location. The Boyer Council of Galatia had a particularly great and often detrimental influence on state affairs. It even went so far as to elect a Boyer of non-princely lineage to the throne a unique event in the history of Ukraine. Beyond the Ukrainian principalities in Sutzal and Vladimir, the Boyer Council was only a voluntarily called advisory body to the ruler. In Muscovy, the council, which was called the Boyer Duma, which was in between 1547 and 1711, was an advisory body of the absolute monarch and conducted itself according to the principle, the ruler has indicated his wish, and the boyars have passed sentence. Only when there was no czar did the Duma exercise its legislative and other powers independently. The Council of Lords in the Grand Duchy of Lithuania were modeled on the Boyer Council. So next, let's explore the Bulgarian and Slavic regions. Until Boris I, which was between 1852 to 1889, the title of the Bulgarian monarchs was Nias. His son, Simon I, born in 1893, adopted the title Tsar or Emperor, which became the title of the subsequent Bulgarian rulers. 
Nyes is a Slavic title found in most Slavic languages denoting a royal nobility rank. It is usually translated into English either as a prince or less commonly as duke, earl, or lord. In the Vatican, some Croatian uncrowned rulers and kings, such as Duke Tir Pirmer I and King Stepan Gislav, were referred to as Dukes Crotorum. Next, Khan or Kagan is a title of imperial rank of the Mongolian and Turkic languages equal to the status of emperor and someone who rules a cognate empire. The words Kagan and Khan are distinct today, though historically they were the same. It may also be translated as Khan of Khans, equivalent to King of Kings. In modern Mongolian, the title became Khan, with the G sound becoming almost silent or non-existent. The G in modern Turkish, Khan, is also silent. For the purpose of this podcast, I will be pronouncing the G sound. Since the Civil War of the Mongol Empire, Emperors of the Yuan dynasty held the title of Kagan, and their successors in Mongolia continued to have the title. Kagan is a common Turkish name in Turkey. A Kagan that linked all superstitious stuff to magic things was Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan exempted the poor from taxes, encouraged literacy, and established free religion, which is why many joined his empire. Next, we will uncover where the term Tsar originated. Tsar is a title used to designate certain European Slavic monarchs or supreme rulers. As a system of government in the Tsardom of Russia and Russian Empire, it is known as Tsarist autocracy or Tsarism. The term is derived from the Latin word Caesar, which was intended to mean emperor in the European medieval sense of the term, a ruler with the same rank as a Roman emperor, holding it by the approval of another emperor or a supreme ecclesiastical official, like the pope or the uh, ecumenical patriarch, but was usually considered by Western Europeans to be equivalent to king or what to be somewhat in between a royal and imperial rank. Occasionally, the word could be used to designate other secular supreme rulers. In Russia and Bulgaria, the imperial connotations of the term were blurred with time due to the medieval translations of the Bible, and by the 19th century, it had come to be viewed as an equivalent of king. The first ruler to adopt the title Tsar was Simon I of Bulgaria, uh, Simon Sachs Coburg Gotha, the last Tsar of Bulgaria, is the last person to have borne the title Tsar, as well as being the last surviving person to do so. The word emperor is a general word for a ruler having total control of a country or region. There are similar words for all powerful rulers in various countries. The Caesars in ancient Rome, the Tsars in Russia, the Kaisers in Germany. All these terms go back to one source, the first of the emperors of the Roman lands, known as the emperor Caesar Augustus. Augustus? 
whose name was really a title, meaning majesty, was the adopted son of the great Roman general and ruler Julius Caesar. Augustus took the family name Caesar as part of his official name. Later, emperors of Rome also used the name Caesar to show that they were heirs to the throne. This is how the word Caesar came to be used to mean an emperor of Rome. The word Caesar was pronounced Kaiser in the Germanic languages of Europe. It is from this word that we got our English word Kaiser for a ruler in Germany. Through the Russian word Tsar, which also came from the Germanic word Kaiser, we got our English word Tsar, meaning a ruler in Russia. Use of the word emperor itself can also be traced back to Imperator Caesar Augustus. The Latin word imperator was originally a title given to great Roman generals. The word meant commander, and it was derived from the verb imperer, to command. It is because Augustus, the first Roman emperor, used imperator as a title that we use emperor as we do today. Tradition says that in the 6th century on the territory came tribes, Krivici, and in 8th century Slavic settlement in Eastern European, European Plain tribe came Ilminski. Those were Slovenians. In the same area inhabited by the Finno-Ugric tribes who have left the memory of themselves in the names of many rivers and lakes. The title and caste of royalty had deep implications. As mentioned earlier, Caesar Augustus was an adopted heir of Julius Caesar, yet he took on his name and assumed position of royalty. There are other historical accounts of possible non-bloodline lineage rulers as well. Constantius was born in Dacia Ripensis. That was a Roman province on the south bank of the Middle Danube in the empire's frontier, with his capital at the modern Archer. He was the son of Eutropius, whom the Historia Augusta claimed to be a nobleman from the province of Moesia Superior. Modern historians suspect this maternal connection to be a genealogical fabrication created by his son, Constantine I, and that his family was actually of humble origins. The claim that Constantius was descended from Claudius Gothicus is attested only after 310 and does not appear to have been made while Constantius was alive. While the claim that he had been made a duke under the emperor Probus is probably a fabrication, he certainly attained the rank of tribunus within the army, and during the reign of Carus, he was raised to the position of governor of the province of Dalmatia. It has been conjectured that Constatius switched allegiances to support the claims of the future brutal, murderous emperor Diocletian, just before Diocletian defeated Quirinius at the Battle of the Margus in July 285. In 286, Diocletian elevated a military colleague, Maximian, to the throne as co-emperor of the western provinces, while Diocletian took over the eastern provinces, 
beginning the process that would eventually see the division of the Roman Empire into two halves, a western and an eastern portion. By 288, his period as governor, now over, Constatius, had been made Praetorian perfect in the west under Maximian. Throughout 287 and into 288, Constatius, under the command of Maximian, was involved in a war against the Alemanni, carrying out attacks on the territory of the barbarian tribes across the Rhine and Danube rivers. To consolidate ties between himself and Emperor Maximian, Constatius divorced his concubine Helena and married the emperor's daughter Theodora. By 293, Diocletian, conscious of the ambitions of his co-emperor for his new son-in-law, allowed Maximian to promote Constatius to a, in a new power sharing arrangement known as the Tectarchy. The eastern and western provinces would each be ruled by an Augustus supported by a Caesar. Both Caesars had the right of succession once the ruling Augustus died. At Milan, on March the 1st, 293, Constatius was formally appointed as Maximian Caesar. He adopted the name Flavius Valerius Constatius, and being equated with Maximian, also took on Herculius. His given command consisted of Gaul, Britannia, and possibly Hispania. Diocletian, the eastern Augustus, in order to keep the balance of power in the Imperium, elevated Galerius as his Caesar, possibly on May 21, 293, at Poivadiv. Constatius was the more senior of the two Caesars, and on official documents he always took precedence, being mentioned before Galerius. In 305, Constatius crossed over into Britain, traveled to the far north of the island, and launched a military expedition against the Picts, claiming a victory against them and the title Britannicus Maximus II by January 7, 306. After retiring to York for the winter, Constatius had planned to continue the campaign, but July 25, 306, he died. As he was dying, Constatius recommended his son to the army as his successor. Consequently, Constantine was declared emperor by the legions at York. Skipping over a few centuries later, we find a similar story of questionable questionable bloodline royalty in Russia. However, this time the ruler Orzar had bitterness infested throughout his soul. Ivan the Terrible. He was the first Tsar of all Russia. He was the grandson of Ivan the Great. Ivan the Terrible, or Ivan the Fourth, acquired vast amounts of land during his long reign between 1533 and 1584, an era marked by the conquest of the Kenites of Kazan, Astrakhan, and Siberia. Ivan the Terrible created a centrally controlled Russian state imposed by military dominance. Many believe him to have been mentally ill. You might think so, too, pretty soon here. One of his violent outbursts was perhaps the reason for his son's death. 
Ivan IV had a complex personality, intelligent yet prone to outbreaks of uncontrollable rage. Ivan's tragic background contributed to his infamous behavior. Not a lot of detail is known about his early life, and historians debate his accomplishments as a leader. However, it is generally agreed that his reign established the current Russian territory and centralized government for centuries to come. Ivan the Terrible was born Ivan Chetvorty Vasilyevich on August the 25th, 1530, in the Grand Duchy of Muscovy, Russia, to members of the Rurik dynasty. His father, Vasil III, died when he was three years old. His mother, Elena Glenskaya, ruled as regent until her death in 1538, when Ivan was only eight. During this time, the realm rapidly degenerated into chaos as rival boyer noble families disputed the legitimacy of her rule. The court intrigue and constant danger that Ivan was exposed to while growing up molded much of his ruthless and suspicious nature. Evidence indicates that Ivan was a sensitive, intelligent boy, neglected and occasionally scorned by members of the nobility who looked after him after his parents' death. The environment nurtured his hatred for the boyer class whom he suspected of being involved in his mother's death. He reportedly tortured small animals as a boy, yet still managed to develop a taste for literature and music. In 1547, Ivan IV was crowned Tsar of Muscovy. That same year, he married Antasia Romanova. In 1549, Ivan appointed a council of the advisors, a consensus-building assembly who helped institute his reforms. During what is considered the constructive period of his reign, he introduced self-government in rural regions, reformed tax collection, and instituted statutory law and church reform. In 1556, he instituted regulations on the obligations of the boyer class in service of the crown. In foreign policy, Ivan IV had two main goals— to resist the Mongol Golden Horde, and to gain access to the Baltic Sea. Ultimately, he aimed to conquer all remaining independent regions and create a larger, more centralized Russia. In 1552 and 1556, Ivan's armies crushed the Tartar Khanats of Kazan and Astrakhan, respectively. This extended Muscovy control to the Urals in the east of the Caspian and the Caspian Sea in the south, creating a buffer zone against the Mongols. Ivan commissioned St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow's Red Square, built between 1555 and 1561, to commemorate the conquest of the Tartar city of Kazan. Ivan was not successful, however, at annexing Lithuania and gaining access to the Baltic. One of his advisors defected to Lithuania and led its army to defeat Ivan IV's offensive. While his initial efforts were successful, Ivan the Terrible's methods disrupted the economy and culture. He seized private lands and redistributed them among his supported and created a police force dressed all in black astride black horses that existed more to crush dissent than to keep the peace. 
Thusly, Ivan was not a popular leader, and his unpopularity would continue to grow over the next several years. Upon the death of his first wife in 1560, Ivan IV went into a deep depression and his behavior became more erratic. His suspicion that she had been murdered by the boyars only deepened his paranoia. He left Moscow suddenly and threatened to abdicate the throne. Leaderless, the Muscovites pleaded for his return. He agreed, but on the condition that he be granted absolute power of the region surrounding the Moscow, known as the Oprichnina. He also demanded the authority to punish traitors and lawbreakers with execution and confiscation of property. Over the next 24 years, Ivan IV conducted a reign of terror, displacing and destroying the major boyar families in the region and earning the moniker by which he is now best known. He's also known by the nickname Grozny, which roughly translate to formidable or sparking terror or fear. It was during this period that Ivan beat his pregnant daughter-in-law, causing a miscarriage, killed his son in a subsequent fit of rage, and blinded the architect of St. Basil's Cathedral. It was also during this time that he created the Oprichniki, the first official secret Russian police force. In 1584, with his health failing, Ivan the Terrible became obsessed with death, calling upon witches and soothsayers to sustain him, but to no avail. The end came on March 18, 1584, when Ivan died of an apparent stroke. He had willed the kingdom to his unfit son, Fyodor, whose rule spiraled Russia into the catastrophic time of troubles leading to the establishment of the Romanov dynasty. When Ivan the Terrible died, he left the country in disarray with deep political and social scars. Russia would not merge from the chaos until the reign of Peter the Great more than a century later. Ultimately, regardless of the title attached to a name, it's the legacy that really matters. They can call themselves boyar, czar, or emperor. No matter what, it is the way they treat the people as to what lives on into infamy.